How you doing over there? I'm good. <laughs> I it's we're recording really late. I was worried that I would say I, I guess we can't say I like our thousands of fans or like <laughs> even our hundreds of fans, but like our fives of fans would have been real disappointed if we didn't record again today. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new creation podcast. My name's Amy, and I'm here with my husband, Jason. Jason. You know that we're always going to start these with some weird and crazy, interesting story that I found. And so I was just telling Jason that I have a lot of these chambered and ready. All right, so let's get into the let's get into my interesting story. Let's just start it right off the jump. The pond man of Hermitville. Well, now listen. <laughs> No, we're talking about Central Maine, and this is in... Is it like South Central Maine? I don't think it's South Central Maine. I think it's just Central Maine, and it's actually North Pond Central Maine. So North Pond Central... Huh? Conflicting. Yes. So we're talking deep woods, North Pond Central Maine. There's like cabins up there. There's a lot of like um, summer camps, things like that. But we're talking deep woods Central Maine. And so for decades, there have been this kind of urban legend about uh, what they would refer to as the North Pond Permit. And what would happen is everyone would get real anxious when there was a new moon. So when there was like no light, because that's when these weird things would happen. And they would find things missing from their house. Like they'd find food or propane tanks, clothing, just random items that go missing. And it was never when they were staying there. So it would be like when they would get back, right? So, like, these are cabins that they would just go up to on the weekends, and they would notice if it was a week where it was a full moon, they'd come back, and things would be burglared from their house or their cabins. Burglar. Burglared. <laughs> well, isn't that the technical term? I'm what is, not sure. What is <laughs> Burglarized. Burglarized. Okay. Bur- but if the house was burglar, <laughs> the house was burglarized, but what they took was burglared, right? <laughs> Burglar Burglar. Well, Burglar-esque. the individual item was burglared. So their clothing was burglared. And Stolen? There you go. I like burglared better. I feel like that's the appropriate word. I still do. So let me take you to a specific date. April 4th, 2013. So this is just after midnight, right? And the Sheriff's Department receives a call from the Pine Tree Summer Camp. They had recently installed these sensors, silent alarms. So if anyone were to get in, because they were getting <coughs> burglared as well. So (laughs) if anyone would have um, tripped that sensor, it would set up a silent alarm that would then notify the sheriff's department and they would respond. So they receive a silent alarm. So one of the deputies gets there and he is um, walking up on the the building, right? And he looks inside and he kind of sees like this tall, thin man that's grabbing things. And he's like grabbing things from the pantry and he goes over to the freezer, but he, why are you laughing already? What are you your thoughts? you got to set the scene. That's the scene. No, like, I mean, it was a dark and stormy night. There was no sky. Or well, there was no stars there was no in the sky. sky. The sky was very present. I already said it was on a new moon, but it was very dark. Was and, humid, all right, the sheriff's, the sheriff's deputy, his heart was pounding as he slowly approached. What kind of car did he have? Uh, Patrol vehicle. LeSabre, a Buick. Oh, for the woods? Well, I don't, they didn't a have a lot day. of money, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he had a, a Jeep Cherokee. 
Maybe that's what he had. Really like an old one. Ambiance. This is 2013. So whatever was an appropriate rained lately? police vehicle for 2013 in central Maine, that's what he was driving. Okay. Are we ready to get back to the story? Tall, skinny man pulling things off the pantry. He notices the guy filling his pockets with food. He's like, all right, something's going on. So he goes in and he approaches the man and the man says nothing. He tries to like kind of like go out the other door quietly. Well, the police obviously arrest him. They take him in custody. They try to interview him. They ask him, what's your name? Guy doesn't answer. They ask him again, what is your name? He says nothing. So finally, they, they took the cuffs off him. They gave him some water and he began to speak. But the way that he talked was like really awkward and like really choppy. Like it seemed like he didn't talk very much at all. What are your thoughts so far? No. Skinny guy stealing stuff. Right. Sheriff's deputies. Yep. Okay. Go. Buick LeSabre. Don't forget about that. Mm-hmm. All right. So the guy said his name was Christopher White. And he was born on December 7th, 1965. So he said he had no address, no vehicle, and he'd never filed a tax return. He said he lived in a tent in the woods. That's all he said. And they asked him, the sheriff's deputy asked, like, how long have you been in the tent in the woods? And his response was, when was the Chernobyl disaster? Now, remember, this is 2013. So the officers are, like, floored. And they said, well, that was in 1986, like 27 years ago. And the man said, yep, that's when I went to the woods. 27. So he went to the woods 27 years ago. The only conversation he'd had in that entire 27 years was he was out like walking back to his camp and ran into a hiker and the hiker said hi and he said hi back. That was the only conversation he had for 27 winters. This dude survives out in the woods, but he confessed to over 1000 burglaries and he'd been stealing food and clothes and propane and things like that. So he was this North Pond hermit that everyone was like so freaked out about. He said he tried hunting and gathering, but he was terrible at it. And so he just resorted to to basically burglarizing uh, homes, like cabins. He would take- Hunting people's stuff and gathering it. I guess he was was hunting. hunting, Yeah, he was hunting and gathering from their cabins. So he was arrested, obviously. He was charged um, and he served seven months in jail. And he, then he was put on probation, I think for five years after that, where every week he would have to like personally check in with the judge, like physically check in with the judge so that they could prove that like he was, had some contact with other people. Um, And then after probation, he moves into an apartment and he gets a regular job. And uh, pretty much they say that he values his privacy over everything, obviously. So here's why I thought this story was super interesting. A, because he lived in the woods for 27 years. And B, because I feel like I could do this. <laughs> what do you think? That's a long time to live in the woods. Okay, it is. But why, what do you think, what do you think would catch me up? What would be the first thing that catch me the up? The first thing. The first thing that's like sends me back into society would be the woods. <laughs> the second thing would be the woods. Well, you've got to put bugs in there somewhere because well, no, sh- just... sure bugs would send me yeah. back. No, I love nature. I love being outside. <laughs> I love hiking. I love, I love being in the woods. I do. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I think it would be the bugs. And I probably the facilities or lack thereof too. Yeah, I don't want to poop in the woods for sure. So I definitely have to have some type of <laughs> alternative option for that. <laughs> what would that be? 
I don't know. Oh. Uh, maybe when I burglared the houses, I would have to then use their bathrooms and their showers and sit and watch TV and hope that they had coconut yogurt with chocolate chips so that I could have that as my dessert in the evenings because that's pretty burger. important too. <laughs> do you think you could live in the woods for 27 years? Uh, no. Do I have to go with you if you do? <laughs> All right, everybody, everybody to move on to what I found from the Bible that's just really awesome? Yes. Okay. Definitely. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to read you two different passages and I'm going to tell you why this st stuck out to me. So the first one is Matthew 3:16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. So fast forward to Acts 2, 2 through 4. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw tongues of fire which came and separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. First, we talk about the baptism of Jesus, right? And a dove descends from heaven. The second is when the um, disciples receive the Holy Spirit and it comes in like wind and fire. So the, the Chuck's position between the two is, so when Jesus was baptized, he was wholly pure, right? He was 100% man, 100% God. So when the dove came down on him, it was just this peace and calm, and there was nothing to change about God. It was just this act of obedience to teach us, right? Now, fast forward to the disciples. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they received it by wind, a violent wind, and fire. So that was like the wind, but most importantly was the fire. When they receive the Holy Spirit, they receive the Holy Spirit as fire because there were things in them that needed to be burned away. And I think what stuck out to me, the biggest part of this that stuck out to me is that I think a lot of times people think, all right, if I accept God and I'm, I'm baptized, boom, it's done, right? But the realization of that there's parts of us that have to be burned away and that's a painful process and that's why I think there's that representation of fire and wind, violent wind and fire when the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. And then also, too, right after that, you see this, like, transformation of especially Peter, where he becomes so steadfast in his belief and so, like, just, you know, he's speaking to the crowds with all this authority, the authority of the Holy Spirit. But it comes with trial, like that, that, that transformation of who we were into who we were meant to be it requires parts of us to be burned away. And, and I, I think that's such an important thing to focus on and realize that once we accept Christ, God says to us, you know, in this world you will have troubles, but, you know, take heart, I've overcome the world, of the realization that that continues on. And, and the reason that God is referred to as an all-consuming fire is there are parts of us that continually have to be burned away each and every day for us to kind of remain in this walk. I guess my question would be, when I refer to that all-consuming fire, what are some of like the initial thoughts that you have of um, the things that need to be burned away in us? Yeah, I, I think just the, as we were convicted by the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's, it's that conviction that like leads us on that path, that narrow path. I think it's a day-to-day -day fight. I mean, we, as we turn our wills over to him day by day, I mean, I think we're going to come up with other stuff. Things are going to come into life in the mm -hmm. world come into our life from the world and yeah I, I that representation of that and the disciples being you know receiving the Holy Spirit that way that's really interesting I mean just it's a really good picture 
mm-hmm. of how you know God wants to continually shape us into these the people we we were meant to be, mm-hmm. His people, His children, versus the world and how that just taints us and just continually tries to you know warm its way into our lives and and, and separate us from the from God and mm-hmm. His will for us. So, but yeah, that that fire just coming in and just burning away that those parts that aren't of him of god i think it's it's intense mm-hmm. because i mean you think about the, the fire of god like the, you know heavenly fire basically coming in and cleansing you and then what's left is is literally what he wants for us mm-hmm. yeah and you know the idea of what it must have felt like in that moment for those disciples like we talked about you know how we when you look at scripture sometimes and you try to use your your own senses to place yourself in the position of what the people in that moment must have felt. And can you imagine the fear, the, you know, the trepidation, all of the things that, I mean, it, it, what had just happened to them, you know, the, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, Christ came back, he spent time with them and now Christ leaves and this thing happens and there's fire. But I mean, there had to be this sense of like fear and confusion, but then ultimately, there had to be a sense and there is a sense of power that comes with the Holy Spirit. But I think that's where, you know, where you really see Peter shine is not in his own strength. It's completely when he just gives over complete control to the, to the spirit and lets the spirit speak through him. And he does that just through obedience. But that realization of when we receive the Holy Spirit, like you said, it's continually shaping us, continually burning things off. And and I think just that embracing the fact that that is not always going to be the most comfortable thing, but it's always going to be what's going to be right for us. Yeah, I think he's always revealing more and more truths to us. And I think, I think he takes it in our, you know, it's, it's, it's our walk with mm-hmm. him. It's a very personal experience. I mean, you know, he, he's not going to do it all at once, but I think he'll, he'll give you what you need to, to, to show you you know, the person you could be, reveal that truth to you. Um, and then as you just continue to lean more into him, you learn more about yourself and you learn more truths, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his truth, not our truth, not the truth of the world, but his truth for us. No, I, li- I like that. I, it, when, when you talk about when they, yeah, when they were convicted out to go out and to, to literally, you know, start the church mm-hmm. and, and build a church that, that you see, you know, echo through history because I mean that's that's where God wanted us to be mm-hmm. was you know in the church in His in His will for us. Yeah, and when you see right after this, when you see Peter speak to the Sanhedrin, I mean he speaks with such authority <laughs> that it harkens back to earlier in the Gospels when you hear Christ speak that kind of authority that Christ had. Then you see that in Peter, and you realize that's because Peter received the Spirit. So it's the Spirit of God, which was the Spirit of God in Christ. Now it's the Spirit of God in Peter speaking through Peter. And that realization that with obedience, and when we let that fire consume us, when we let that wind consume us, when we let the Holy Spirit consume us, that we can speak with the same authority. And that's awesome. So um, I thought we'd talk a little bit. We'll end this by talking a little bit about how your talk went on Friday. And you spoke on the subject of sponsors. I thought it was really good how you talked about working, how working out was the example that you used and that you, how you have to have like a good trainer, a trainer that's experienced, who has the knowledge and it made sense. So I liked, I liked that picture that you drew when you talked about having a sponsor is, you know, 
it's similar to having like, you know, a, a trained and skilled and experienced guide. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about this part where we're at, as far as the starting the inventory, I mean, those parts, as we talked about that night, you know, he, it's not meant to be walked alone, you know, and that, and whether that comes in accountability partners or a sponsor, I mean, you need people to lean on, you need people to grow from, you need people to confront you, you need people to, to walk with you. And they don't, they're not going to carry your burden for you, but they can walk that path with you. Just, I mean, there's so many things in life that we need help with. And I think we're meant to be communal. We're meant to have fellowship. I mean, God Mm -hmm. doesn't want us to, to ever be alone. I mean, Jesus had, you know, 12 disciples and then he had Mm -hmm. three basically that were his inner circle, you know, uh, John, James, and Peter, or Peter, John, and James. Mm -hmm. And I mean, kind of his inner circle too. I mean, even, you know, that was one of those things just to set that, set that model for Mm -hmm. us of of just that fellowship. Um, Because, yeah, it's a a hard thing. I mean, it's a hard thing. There's a lot of hard stuff in this life. But, you know, to do it with other people. I mean, obviously the most important relationship is that relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Savior. Um, But after that, yeah, just the just having like a community and having someone to go to, having you mm-hmm. know that fellowship. Yeah, and I like too how you were very specific about making sure that, you know, if you're a man, you're seeking a male sponsor. As a woman, you're speaking, you're seeking a female sponsor, and I think that's really important. I think it's important for a couple of reasons, but for me, is just knowing that you're not alone and seeing someone who's walked that journey and is okay. Yeah, and I mean God. God designed men and women differently, mm-hmm. period. I mean, and, and the way we function, the way we think about things, how we see things. So, yeah, to have to have a person, a male or another man, to sit there and say, hey, this is, this is what happened. This, mm-hmm. is, this is what I was thinking. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I failed at. This is where I relapsed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always that thing of, like, that part of the sponsorship or the, the accountability partners where you can come in and just talk and be open to talk about it. And people are like, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. I understand, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I think, I, I think God gives you a lot of really amazing things that you're able to share. Are you okay? Sure. Okay. What is happening over on your side of the recording studio here, AKA the end of our bed in our bedroom? Did you just, we could just leave it off. I think that's probably okay. We'll just, just hold it. Okay. I can't see you. (laughs) It's okay. Just look over the circle. (laughs) There's just a mic in there. (laughs) Well, like I said, I think God gives you a lot of really great things. And I'm so thankful that you're obedient. I'm just proud of you for, for what you're willing to share with people. That's hard. You can find more from us. On Facebook at Celebrate Recovery Emmaus Road. You can visit us every Friday night at Emmaus Road Community Church at 6 p.m. in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, And, yeah, we're just thankful for you guys. We're thankful that you're on this journey with us. And uh, we love you guys. Good night. Good night.